Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Welcome to uh, the annual Swilly Awards. I'm Caleb, and I'm your MC for this evening. That's true. I'm I'm Dan, and I'm here to tell you there are some good shows on Netflix, despite what everyone tells you. Think of me as Jimmy Fallon. I think he is a person who has hosted award shows. And also ruins every fucking joke he's ever been a part of because he laughs. Yeah, uh, it's been endearing exactly one time, and that was during the More Cowbell sketch. Because, like, everybody was laughing hysterically uh, at what Will Ferrell was doing with his good, good humor, except for, uh, oh, God, oh, God, don't do this to me, brain. Christopher Walken? Christopher Christopher Walken, uh, presumably because he didn't get the jokes, because he's a robot man. Uh, Which is weird when you consider the fact that Christopher Walken has been in Adam Sandler movies. Yeah. No, he consistently is in comedies. He just, I, I'm convinced that he's like a spaceman. What do you mean? I have never heard such fearful words. You're talking to me all wrong. You got the wrong tone. You do it again. I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. It's from Joe Dirt. Yeah, uh, so there's our there's our Christopher Walken impressions. Uh, but aside from that, how are you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. I think I think I did a D&D character where during the first session I joked that I was going to do Christopher Walken as my character voice. And then everybody demanded that I did it. And I was so happy when that game uh, abruptly ended because I didn't have to do it anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's not a it's not a fun impression to do in any way, shape or form. So, yeah, it's funny for exactly 10 minutes and then it becomes grating. Yes. And incidentally, uh, in more of his recent movies, that's about how long he's ever in them. Yes, that's true. Click. He was in that for maybe eight minutes. Pulp Fiction it's, was in that for five. It's a universal remote control. It controls the universe. What part of this isn't clear to you? I mean, everyone loves the the this watch speech from fucking Pulp Fiction. <laughs> we all love it. It's all imp- it's well, it's not improvised. Tarantino, I believe, is uh, very strict on saying you say your lines as I have written them. There is no ad libbing. Don't even try. Yeah. Well, that's what Tarantino is known for is this dialogue. This is yeah. nothing to do with anything of our show. No. We're just kind of talking some shit about some shit. Uh, so, yes, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm very hydrated. Well, good. Uh, unlike your wife, who is never hydrated. That's probably true. I don't know. It's also kind of a weird thing to say with no context. I mean, if you've ever listened to the show before, you know that Caleb has complained about his wife 
uh, constantly saying that she has a headache and Caleb saying, have you drank any water today? <laughs> and she says, what is water? Yeah. No. Why would I do that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's one of the basic building blocks of uh, all life on this planet. Maybe because like 80% of our planet is made of it. Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. This does not make the ribosomes happy. Uh, as for me, I'm okay. I feel sweepy because uh, we stayed up late last night playing Magic the Gathering because we had to wait for your fucking Jumpstart League match to finish. Yeah, which I lost anyway. It was a fucking disappointment. And you're a disappointment for showing up two hours later. Yeah, it's, I don't know. it's, it's fine. Uh, I won uh, it, it, in the most egregious way possible. Yeah, I don't know. It's I feel like the whole thing was just, uh, you know, a debacle because I, I couldn't do anything the whole game because all of my resources were devoted to holding you back as long as possible. And Bill I, just yeah. was like doing a bunch I'm, of stuff, not I'm a zombie not guy. interacting with the game. I don't know, uh, I don't know what he was no doing. No one knows what Bill does ever. But yes, uh, I figured out after like eight turns that like if I did something differently, I would have won the game in the five turns. But yeah, it is you don't want to hear about it here. Um, no. Go listen to that story on our other podcast. Oh, wait. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's on a five-month hiatus. It's fine. There's no such thing as hiatus. Hiati? Speaking as a Blink-182 fan, when they went on a seven-year hiatus, they were definitely not on a seven-year hiatus. They were definitely broken up. Because they weren't even talking. We all still talk, though. We just don't want to do it. <laughs> Yes, uh, primarily me, because I have to edit the fucking thing. You can just put up the raw audio. Nobody listens to it. I can't have that. I can't let you do that, Star Fox. All right, Caleb, let's get into the actual episode proper. Talk about what's our swill on this week's segment of What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! <laughs> Uh, I have an enormous half-gallon thing of water, uh, as I alluded to in my intense hydration. Um, I'm trying to be healthy and not have a headache. Have you bought your wife one of these? Uh, this actually is hers. Her giant water jug. Uh, she doesn't use it, so it was available. I want you to know I almost did a fucking spit take. <laughs> I go through like three of these things a day. I drink a lot of fucking water, boys. That might be too much water. I've heard the it's supposed to be like a gallon of water a day. And based off of the half gallon measurement, you're going through a gallon and a half a day. Nah, man, I fucking the the one thing that you have to know about me is that I'm always depressed and I'm always thirsty. Well, OK, then. Um, also, I just I just didn't feel like going to get beer today. I was like, I going to nap instead and play yeah, Stardew yeah. Valley and write things. That's fair. Uh, as for me, I have my homemade gin and tonic. It's uh, the other batch of gin that I made. It's less uh, purple looking because there's no lavender in it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's it. It's it's I good. Think, I'm trying to think if I've ever 
consumed something that had lavender in it that at the end of it, I was like, well, that was a good idea. I think one time I had a, a lavender ice cream that was pretty nice. I enjoyed the thing, the, the gin. But I think the lavender is mainly used as like a colorant. Like if you look at the proportions of everything else, like the, the lavender is like barely a thing that should register. Well, that's the thing. Like it's a very strong flavor. Like it, it has to be kind of along with something else and not too overpowering or it's just like really bad. Yeah. It's like truffle. It's an accent. I'm not just going to like pull a truffle out of the ground and eat it. I'll take a truffle chip and eat it. Oh, man. Um, this is like such a tangent. I whenever we were out Christmas shopping a few weeks back, I grabbed a, a bag of. um, It was like. This gourmet popcorn, but like it was like mm-hmm. two flavors mixed together in a bag, so like. Half of it was like Parmesan and the other was like truffle and herb. And uh, I ate the whole bag in like a day and a half. And didn't share with my wife. That sounds like the Dan plan of buying snacks is just like, I intend to share this with Ashley. Oh, I ate the whole fucking thing and Ashley maybe had like (laughs) two pieces. Also, as uh, somebody who spends a lot of time uh, sitting in my lazy boy and watching movies, uh, movie snack pro tip uh, make your regular ass microwave popcorn butter popcorn whatever the fuck you like uh, take like about a half a cup maybe probably, that's probably too much maybe like a quarter cup of parmesan cheese dump that right in the bag pinch it shut shake the fuck out of it and then dump it into your snack bowl or whatever and retire to your couch eat that during your movie fucking awesome well okay then uh, let's do the show. I'm we'll dying. Try. Okay. Uh, let's get into news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. All right, it was a busy week in Netflix as many things happened. Uh, first and foremost, 1899 has been canceled after one season. Yeah. Um, no one no one really watched it. I saw a bunch of people complaining on Twitter. Um, That's what Twitter's good for. Uh, I said Twitter. What I meant was Reddit because I, Reddit, I Reddit, that's what Reddit's good for. I stopped. I stopped doing Twitter because uh, it was boring and I never got on it. So. People were like, oh, this was going to be so much better than dark. And, you know, you could tell they had such amazing things to do after the first season. But it was like, oh, it's a simulation inside a simulation or something. It's like, I don't. I don't know. I didn't watch Dark. I didn't want to watch a second season of this. This is fine. Uh, Dark is infinitely better, and also the first season of Dark is infinitely better than this first season. The the end. The finale of Dark never invalidates anything that happened before it. That was yeah. the big problem for me with 1899, is that the last two episodes revealing that it's a simulation made me be like, well, I don't give a fuck about what happens inside the simulation then. <sighs> they're, they're still in the Shonies. There's still yes. Uh so the thing with this was that it garnered 250 million hours viewed, roughly 250 million hours viewed. And uh everyone was like even I was just like looking at that being like, "Huh, that's really weird that Netflix would cancel this show after getting so many views, like so many hours viewed on it. Like that's a lot of views." Uh but then the day after information about like 
completion rate came out. And from the first to second episode, the drop was uh, about thir- uh, a third of people dropped off the show. And that went all the way to the finale, where 67.5% of people stopped watching the show before the finale. So when you only are left with about a third of your audience, who who's renewing that show? Like even if there's a ton of hours viewed on it, who's renewing a, a show that only a third of people finished watching? Yeah. So yeah, um, that was it. Like I, people like I, I actually accidentally fed into the uh, 1899 probably shouldn't have been canceled thing. Accidentally, just be just because I was just like. Yeah, these numbers don't make sense. Like there ha- there's something going on here. And all the 1899 fans are like, "Well, what happened? Uh, oh, this is good. This is good information. Like I I included budget and all that stuff. It actually was a very heavy traffic driver for the website. And then the day afterwards we find out okay, uh, like the completion rate and I'm just like, "Oh, that's it. Case closed." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that all tracks. All right, our, our next story is that Wednesday, the, the the show Wednesday, not the day Wednesday, has been renewed for a second season uh, and also won't be leaving Netflix. Why did people think it was leaving Netflix? Okay, so there's a story in the British Independent where somebody postulated, I think it's the, I think that's the correct use of that word, yeah. uh, where because the production company behind Wednesday is MGM Studios, which is now bought by Amazon. That suddenly all contracts signed by MGM Studios before they went to Amazon are now invalidated and Amazon can take back whatever the fuck they want. So it was Hmm. just a complete misunderstanding of how contracts work. People are stupid. Yeah, and the Internet took that ball and ran with it. Uh, So, yes, second season, it's. Netflix's, uh, in terms of viewing hours, third most popular show ever. So there was like I, I know people like, uh, of course, the Fatalists. Like in in uh, we have uh, for eighteen we have eighteen ninety nine after cancellation, so eighteen ninety nine AC, and then eighteen ninety nine completion rate. Uh, so the, those two, those two times, uh, in between that, people were like, well, Netflix is going to cancel Wednesday now because th- they just cancel whatever. <laughs> people are stupid. So yeah, uh, don't look for this in 2023. I'm very intrigued to see when this happens. Because Jenna Ortega is a rising star. She's probably going to get more movies and more shows. And I don't know when she's going to have the time to do Wednesday. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Yeah. The Sea Beast is getting a sequel. That's it. You remember the Sea Beast? I do. It was fine. Yeah. Although people seem to love it for some reason. In terms of hours viewed again, it's Netflix's most popular animated movie of all time. So I feel like that's a, a low and specific bar. It's 170 million hours. And to get into Netflix's all-time top 10 most viewed movies, you have to hit about 214 million hours. So it's like, what, 45 million off or something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like, like 
I, I feel like anything over 150 million hours is good. And you're really happy about those. Uh, if you're under 150 million hours and you're a bigger budget movie, I'm looking at you, Slumberland. Uh, yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'll uh, I'll watch it, I guess. I don't know where they go from the end of it, because it's I don't like, either. hey, we did the thing we save. We changed the world. I, I, I don't get it. I don't know where they're going. I mean, good for them that they're doing something because Netflix needs franchises that they built within themselves instead of acquiring stuff like Glass Onion and licensing out uh, uh, like licensing out other projects like uh, Wednesday and other such things that are hits. So this is so it's fine. I'm fine with them greenlighting a sequel. I just don't know where it's going to go or where it's going to start. Yeah. yeah, presumably they'll have some kind of idea. So, yeah. We'll see. I mean, this is a guy who comes from Pixar, so. Or or maybe just Disney animation. Like the mid 2000s to 2010s Disney animation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did what? Moana and Big Hero 6. That sounds right. So, yeah, he, he crushed it in terms of what he's done. So, I mean, give him the keys to the castle. I think he also signed an overall deal, but I didn't read too hard in the article. I've seen Moana about 17 times. Um, I have I watched Big Hero 6 in theaters and uh, I haven't seen it since. I remember enjoying it. And apparently, like. The Internet really wants to fuck the kid's aunt from that movie. That's what I know about that movie. Yeah, that's that's the Internet, man. Like <laughs> any any thick hip mo- like mom kind of character. Yeah. The Internet's just like, like uh, the mom from The Incredibles. Like apparently, I don't know, people in Reddit comments will just mention her. And then it's just like a bunch of thirsty, lonely dudes. Yeah, I'd fuck that cartoon. I mean, let's let's be real here. Uh, yes. Sure. I mean, she can <laughs> she can alter her proportions at will. She must fuck like a tiger. Yeah, yeah. it's a good point. Was... <laughs> sure. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we want to keep getting weird with it. Fine. Uh, let's <laughs> let's do downstream. Baby, I can't control the Internet. That's my favorite line. The first trailer this week is for. Uh, I'm assuming it's pronounced Young E. It's J-U-N-G underscore E. This is a Korean film. Uh, Humanity's Hope and Ultimate Weapon, AI Combat Warrior Young E. Watch her break free. Directed by Yan Yan Song Ho of Hellbound and Train to Busan. One of those is good. And a post... Eh, yeah. 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 I don't think I ever finished Hellbound. It's fine. You didn't miss anything. In a post-apocalyptic near future, a researcher at an AI lab leads to uh, leads the effort to end a civil war by cloning the brain of a heroic soldier, her mother. I'm not going to lie, like when this started, it's like, oh, we polluted the planet and we had to shelter in space so we could survive. I was like, and uh, I saw the title was Young E. I was like, is this a is this like a Korean Wally ripoff? Ooh, that'd be that'd be spicy, but <laughs> uh, but really, it's kind of like RoboCop. 
Yes. That's that's my that's my reference point for cyborg movies. Um reference uh yeah, RoboCop, um what the fuck, Blade Runner. See see futuristic uh robot sci-fi movie. Uh this looks cool. I'm I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, it does look cool. Uh I think its big problem is the CGI lighting is bad. Uh, there, like, there's this robot well, walker it's CGI thing. CGI lighting, so. Well, yes, but there's sometimes where CGI lighting actually looks like really, really good, and this is not one of those times because there's this robot walker that almost reminds me of like, actually, this more reminds me of Ghost in the Shell than anything, because mm-hmm. uh, you have the robot walker. She fights the robot walker, uh, and there's times where it looks like the robot walker is walking around in a different time of day than the actual time of day that it is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That said, like the the technology, like the robot designs and stuff looks pretty cool. Yeah. Ghost in the Shell is probably the correct point of reference for this. Because it's uh, spoiler alert for Ghost in the Shell. It's putting someone's brain in a robot body. Yeah. And then they freak out because it's like, I'm a human. Why can't I feel my limbs? Right. Although apparently she has like phantom pain or something because like they show in the trailer like her getting her arm cut off with a saw and she's screaming. Well, that's after they put in the the module that lets her feel pain and then so, they have to test it. Uh, why would you do that? Just don't let her, <laughs> just don't let her feel hey, pain. Hey, let's give this robot emotions and then torture it. I wonder what will happen. But yeah, this looks uh, this looks interesting. This might be a main review topic. Speaking of potential future main review topics, uh, we have the trailer for You People uh, featuring Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill. What do you mean, You People? Uh, Exactly. Uh, A new couple learns that opposites attract, but some families don't when they find themselves confronting their parents' clashing views of their relationship in this comedy written by Jonah Hill and Kenya Barris. Uh, It's also directed by Kenya Barris. You People starring Jonah Hill, Lauren London, David Duchovny, and Nia Long, along with Julia... Louis Dreyfus and Eddie Murphy. I thought I read that wrong at first because Nia Long is a name, and then it says with Julia Louis Dreyfus, and I was like, "Did it say along with Julia Louis Dreyfus?" And I fucked up. But yeah. no, uh, she's here. Also, Eddie Murphy's here. Uh, this comes out on January twenty seventh. Uh, families and cultures clash when two LA millennials from different backgrounds fall in love and face the ultimate relationship test: meeting the parents. Jonah Hill is, uh, you know, and his Jewish parents go to meet uh, his new girlfriend's black Muslim family and uh, the culture wars ensue. Yes. It looks funny. Uh, it's it's Kenya Barris and Kenya Barris has moved on to, I, I want to say Viacom CBS at this point. And I think this is in the remnants of his Netflix deal. Mm-hmm. So this is in, it's interesting. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens because I also don't know if hashtag black AF ever got canceled. Like officially. I don't know. They might've just kind of swat quietly, like put it in the back of the closet along with the Christmas decorations and, you know, just packed everything away and, we aren't talking about it. Oh, no, it did get canceled. Back in 2021. 
The renewal decision announced a year ago today has been reversed. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I must have missed that. So yeah, this is it. This is the last thing Kenya Barris will ever do for Netflix, most likely. Because Netflix doesn't let him challenge things enough. So he went to Viacom CBS, the network for old people. Yeah, he said Viacom Dios. That's good. I like that. Yeah, it's a good joke. You're welcome. So yeah, uh, I already put this on the schedule. Uh, That's not the correct date for it, though. I can tell you that. Now the date's fixed. So yeah, I look forward to us talking about Andy Barris's You People, starring Jonah Hill. Yee. All right. Uh, So with all that out of the way, it's time to get into uh, the Swillies portion of the show, but not until we take a quick break uh, for the Golden P Awards. That's right. Our friend Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast has his own version of the Oscars, and it's way cooler and it's way better because it doesn't have to deal with the Hollywood bullshit. It's voted on by the people. So here's some going to be a promo for the, the Golden Peas. We're going to check it out and find out all about it. Uh, and when we come back from that, we'll talk about our favorite slash best TV series of 2022 on Netflix. Shalomi Mahomies, this is Dan from Netflix and Swill. Every year, Gerald from Two Peas puts on his personal movie awards, affectionately called the Golden Peas, honoring the previous year in film. This year will be the first year as a YouTube broadcast, and we'll have special guest presenters giving out awards in seven movie categories, including Best Movie, Best Female Performance, and Best Horror Movie, just to name a few. And the best part about all of this is that the winners are voted on and chosen by you. These awards are 100% based on your participation and votes. Please help me share and promote the Golden Peas leading up to the event, and don't forget to cast your ballot this year. Head over to twopeasonapod.com slash goldenpeas to see the list of nominees and cast your votes. And then be sure to tune in on Monday, March 13th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern to see the winners revealed live on YouTube. We will have some fantastic special guests, and Gerald will be joined by co-host, the god of podcasting himself, Loisos. We hope you join us this year to once again celebrate our shared love of the movies. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our best series of 2022 or favorite series of 2022. So the way we award the Swilly every year is we go in reverse order. So uh, and we, we we tier everything and then we total up points and then whatever winds up having the most points at the end of the category is the Netflix and so winner for best series or best movie. Uh, so, for instance, uh, our number fives will each be worth one point. Fours or two points, all the way up to number ones, which are five points. And uh, that's it. That's the scoring system. I hope that all makes sense to everybody because it should. It's very basic. Uh, and if it doesn't make sense to you, may God have mercy on your soul. So, with that, Caleb, let's get into it. Uh, start with you. What is your number five series of 2022? All right. Well, I, I want to, uh, <laughs> I guess, just preface everything for the awards uh this year saying that like this was very hard for me to come up with because like uh it was rough it was a rough year i feel like i'm really scraping the barrel here i have a bunch of honorable mentions like i I don't know we were talking about this in between segments but like i had a best of new and a best of returning and you're like now we're just going to combine them because like you know 
not a lot of good stuff this year. So then, like, I don't know, a couple things that I was like, oh, for sure, that's that's, you know, the best on the top five of one of those. I was like, yes. wait, now I have to now I have to kill this forever. I must kill my son as God intended. So. I kind of just shift things around last minute. Uh, I'm not honestly super happy with with any of my lists, but we're just going to do it and it'll be done. Uh, my fifth best show this week, this week, this year, also this week, because we're talking about it this week. Uh, I'm dying out here. Play me off, Dan. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh I just tried to think of, like, what did I have the most fun with this year? Sure. And at number five, I have uh, Shocker, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 6 Stone Ocean. Considerably low, but okay. Drop down the list because as much as I enjoyed it, I I hate the batch release thing. Uh, It really just fucked up the whole pacing of the show. Uh, Although, like, the parts they split it up at, like, are the logical points to do that, but they shouldn't have done it. And I don't know, like, we talked about in our review, there's a few things that, like, they could have gotten into that they didn't, that would have, you know, clarified a lot of things, but... They had 38 episodes to really explore some shit, and then they chose just not to, and it made me upset. Yeah, but that said, um... I mean, it's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's one of my favorite media franchises, so. Sure. Uh, What's your number five? All right, uh, you're going to put on your time capsule hat and go all the way back to January of 2022. uh, Because I'm talking about the uh, longest title for a Netflix show I've ever seen, and I misspelled it. Uh, It's the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good um, one. I, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. <laughs> I I thought it was mostly funny. There was a good enough mystery that it was it worked. Like the jokes just kept working for me. I know they don't work for a lot of people. Like this is a show that's very hit or miss seemingly, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was not spectacular, but like I want to see a second season of it, and I have no idea of its fate right now. And it's doubtful we'll ever get a second season. So I want to cherish the one season we did get. Yeah. Um, No, it's a good call. It's. Yeah, like you said, it's one of those things I didn't know what to expect going into it, and I was I was kind of delighted with it. (laughs) Uh, It's Kristen Bell with her fucking giant glass of wine and always dropping casseroles. Always. Uh, very, it's, it's all, it's all funny. Uh, I enjoyed, I enjoyed a lot of it. Uh, yeah. And, and the fucking Meryl Streep cameo at the end, just for her to be, or was it Glenn Close? It was Glenn Close. The Glenn Close cameo at the end, where she's the woman on the plane, and then she fucking disappears from the plane. Beautiful, beautiful, uh, potential thread for a second season, but I think they're just gonna leave it there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think there definitely is some recency bias in my list, as tends to be the thing yeah. that happens with this. So that's fair. So let's go to you. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is a another returning series. It's never have I ever. Uh, I don't know 
what it is about this show that speaks so personally to me, uh, a white 36 year old cis man. Uh, but this is a show about uh, an Indian American teenage girl and her trials and tribulations growing up. And uh, I love it. Yeah, you said it perfectly. So much so that it's my number three. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, Davy has grown a lot in our time. Uh, I remember at one point I was comparing her to BoJack Horseman, which, uh, you know, probably probably not great if you're if I'm comparing a character character to uh, the extremely damaged horse guy. But yeah, uh, she's she's grown a lot. We're getting a final season sometime this year, probably about the same time as we did last year, probably in June. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy this series. It's it's really funny when it, when it is. Um, I I also like seeing the arc of uh, what white guy will be the stand-in for Mindy Kaling's <laughs> BJ Novak. <laughs> but yeah, this is a this is a great show. I love it. All right. Uh, so your number four then? Yes, my number four is a new show. Also, uh, it is a Korean show. It is probably one of the first Netflix like serialized dish enough se- shows that I was like, okay, you know, I can kind of pick this up, put this down whenever I want. There's not really an overarching story. Like there's an overarching story, but it's like very sparsely parsed out. Like it's not like it's driving towards this one big thing. It is extraordinary attorney woo. Fuck. Yep. Okay, I Last minute cut this because this was going to be my number one spot. I didn't think that you would count this because technically it's not it, like it aired on Korean TV and was distributed oh. by Netflix. Oh, I don't give a shit. OK, uh, let me reorder my list. Huh? I'm going to I'm going to stick with it. But just know just know in your heart that Extraordinary Attorney Wu would be my number one. But I thought you were going to yell at me for doing it. No, because uh, to me, this is it's I mean, it has the Netflix original branding. I mean, I've lamented the Netflix original branding constantly because it's very deceptive in what they choose to call Netflix original yeah. when, in fact, all they have is a license. Yeah. And that's the thing, like uh peek behind the curtain to see all the sausages made. That's I'm mixing two metaphors. Uh, so we get some inside baseball behind the curtain while we make the sausage. Um, the, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Yeah, I guess yes, I'm picking uh, what you're putting down. There's a Wikipedia article that is list of Netflix original programming that I always consult to just be like, OK, let me check and make sure the things that came out this year I'm clear on. And like, I'm right. not grabbing something from December 2021 or, you know, missing something entirely. Uh, Extra- Extraordinary Attorney Wu is not in that article. Like it's not listed under. Original programming in Wikipedia, which I think is the authority on uh, the sum total of human knowledge. Yeah, that's fair. Didn't include it. Yeah, I am. I'm looking at it because I'm just trying to see like there's no release or anything like I look at Wikipedia and all it says is that its distributor is ENA, which is a Korean distributor and Netflix. So like. All that tells me is it's like a co- to me that tells me it's like a pr- a co-production deal where okay. it's like BBC right. and Netflix partner up for like Peaky Blinders. Now, right. I could be misinterpreting it, but that's that's just how I'm choosing to interpret it 
to fit my narrative because I haven't looked at it until right this second. <laughs> yeah, I'm bummed about uh, removing it from my list then. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I adore this show. It was something yeah. that like I never expected. And uh, I don't know. It was like an oasis of hope in a period of great uncertainty and personal upheaval, which I yeah. think is why it kind of resonated with a lot of people. Well, I, and the beautiful thing is, and this is a point for the people who want the weekly releases, is that it felt like whenever Extraordinary Attorney Wu came out, like it, it, it picked up steam. And as it released weekly, it was picking up steam every week and until like kind of boiled over and everyone, not everyone, but like a good portion of people were finally checking this out. Like this is on Netflix's most watched like uh, international shows or non-English shows. So like, obviously people adore this show to a degree. Like it's not like squid game level, but still like it's, it's fantastic what the show is able to do and uh, transcend borders. Yeah, it's number it's yeah. number six right now. I uh I think this show's better than Squid Game. Don't at me. Oh, it's yes, yes, that's a hundred percent true. Squid Game, I think, is just painfully average, uh, and it just worked because people were in eat the rich mode. I think this is a legitimately enjoyable show that goes hard uh, goes hard enough on certain topics, but is still overall a light show to just enjoy. Extraordinary attorney, kayak deed, rotor, race car. It's a good joke. All right. Uh, so that's my number four. What is your number three? My number three is Cobra Kai. Hey, that's my number two. All right. Well, I'm chasing you up the list here, apparently. Um, True. I really enjoyed the most recent season. Uh, it's the one where Amanda finally says, Daniel, kill him with your karate. <laughs> It's the one where finally we get to see Chosen uh, murder a bunch of fools with karate. It's great. We we kindly we we finally have for the most part uh, a joining of forces of the karate children. Uh, yeah, you know which was the big thing that they started to do with season three, and then you know further schism occurred. Schism. Tool album. It's fine. Who can who can say? Just um, say tool album. Yeah, a further jism occurred. <laughs> Everybody was upset about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's good. Yeah. This shows always exactly what I want when I see it because I love trash. It's true. Believe me, the show is trash. The show is probably actively bad. <laughs> But like, it's so pulpy and enjoyable. It exists in a pocket dimension that's disconnected from human reality. And yes, I love it. Well, yes, because uh, when you can settle your differences with karate fights and cops don't show up, then everything is great. Mm -hmm. Like, but yeah, I'm I'm good with this. Like, I, I, I'm happy about the show. I know people are worried that it's, it's being canceled. And I say you're a fucking psycho if you think this is getting canceled. Uh, in fact, so much so like there's been so much consternation about that. The creators had to come out and be like, patience, Danielson, like just fucking wait. We'll have news about this. We're working on other stuff. They have another show coming out for Netflix here soon. But like they're working on other stuff. Let us work on that. And then you'll hear more about this show. Yeah. 
But yes, uh, I love this show. I can't wait to to see what season six does, because uh, we're not getting that probably until 2024. Yeah. All right. Um, so your number three is Never Have I Ever, so I have to talk again. You have to talk again. <sighs> uh, my number two is The Sandman. Okay. I think we talked about it when we reviewed it. I I don't know if this hit as hard for you, but like... Like, I read all of the Sandman comics and stuff in college. Like, I thought this was a really, a really good adaptation. Like, I probably about as good as I could expect an adaptation of Sandman, one of the most insane things I've ever read to be. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. The The production value is good. A lot of the, you know, visually, it it kind of struck the note of, like... Oh yeah, this this looks like Sandman. Uh it's dreamy and weird and I like it. Yeah, I mean visually it's a it's a beautiful show. Like it's probably Netflix's best looking show from last year. I did really like Tom Sturridge's dream. I I was skeptical at first, but uh I think the more time I spent in the world with the character, the more his interpretation of it kind of grew on me. So, uh, it's good. It's a good show. It's solid. I like it enough. Uh, I think the second arc was actively bad, but the first arc was gripping and interesting, and I, I really enjoyed watching that. So uh, hopefully, uh, and apparently th- there's not going to be a season two in the realistic sense. It's probably going to be another. What the the current discussion is kind of like they did do... like the Calliope episode and like a dream of cats and all that shit. So they'll just kind of do a story here and there. So what it will likely be is like an arc. So like five-ish episodes. And then they'll go away. I'm okay with that because that's kind of what the Sandman is. Like after we get that initial arc where he like recaptures his three quest items, like the, the three whatchamacallits that advance the plot um mcguffins yeah he uh he just kind of does things so yeah i'm into it yeah uh i'm interested to see because that's actually be like a very intriguing release strategy because that'll be actually it'll be it'll be close to batch releases but also not really like i feel like we're just gonna get like five episodes of sandman a year for however long they have material. Yeah. And then a Christmas special. All right. Well, my number two is Cobra Kai. So again, you have to talk again. Fuck. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, talking about, you know, pleasant surprises. My number one of the year is, uh, is actually Wednesday. Show just kind of showed up and I was like, yeah, this is fine. I don't know. I, uh, I've rewatched it now and I was like, yeah, I don't know. I get it. Like the, the Luis Guzman of it all. And, you know, just, it's, it's campy and dumb and, but that's just kind of, I don't know. It's kind of what it was supposed to be, I guess. I don't know. I'm stunned. I literally never expected this. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't really expect it either, but like, I think the rewatch is what did it. Cause I was like, you know, I'm just going to throw it on like it's late at night. I'm doing other things. I already get what this show's about. I can just throw it on 
sure. then like I found myself getting pulled into it and I was like, oh, that's a neat detail. Oh, that's interesting. I think a lot of it, too, has to do with like having grown up with the fucking Raul Julia Adams family movies. Right. I'm glad that Luis Guzman does not try to do an impression of that, but like, I don't know. I just. I like these characters. I like the world. I like how, you know, Pugsley's a simpering, pathetic loser who needs Wednesday to torture him so he can feel something, anything in this bleak Any, existence. Anything at all. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's uh It's kind of a dumb show. It's a show that I liked. Uh and like I said, uh Seer kind of sucked. So, it's all the stuff that I thought was most fun. And here it is. Uh my left field pick. That's it's a very left field pick. It's on my honorable mentions. I liked it. Uh I grew to like it because like I said uh, when we were talking about it, I did not like that Wednesday was a one-note character and that a you're following around a one-note character for eight episodes and then she grew into an actual character. Yeah. And I loved it. I don't know. Um for me the punchline never got old of like somebody says like hey look at you know the sun and the birds and the flowers and she's like yes isn't it terrible uh everything's bad and i'm dying uh and as somebody who you know can personally identify with that uh you know it's consistently funny sure all right uh my number one is uh, the one I'm probably the most shocked didn't hit your fucking list. It's Stranger Things season four. Yeah. Um, believe me, it was when these were in separate lists that was on there. Uh, kind of low on my returning shows list, honestly. Okay, that's fair. I'll. I'm. I'm really happy for you, and I'm gonna let you finish. But real briefly, uh, good things about this show. Uh, in this season specifically, like the. A hopper with a sword was good. Hopper with a sword's great. Um, I don't know. I feel like they just kind of spun their wheels a lot. Like after the high heights of season three, and then uh, you know, many years of lol. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like it ever really pulled me back in completely. Sure. I feel like I got pulled back in like completely when episodes eight and nine hit, you know, the the last four hours of the show hit uh, after a nearly one month break. But like it was our same characters. Uh, it was a cool it was a cool enough mystery where we we're like, what the fuck is Vecna? And then we figure out who Vecna is and, you know, what he, what he means to Hawkins and why he's chosen Hawkins. Like we find I think the big thing about this season was that we finally got answers to mm -hmm. questions. Because we were just like, why? Where are all the other numbers? Because all we know is that eight disappeared and then came back for one episode and then disappeared again forever because no one wanted a spinoff. And then we were like, well, why Hawkins? Like, it feels really weird to have this random town in Indiana be fucking ground zero for all this supernatural upside down shit. And we finally have answers. And now it feels like the show is very clear on what it's going to be, which is kill Vecna uh, and stop the Upside Down from uh, having a conjunction of spheres moment. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still hoping 
for some more answers. Like I feel, I feel like they can get there and give me a satisfying answer to it. But like, yes, they they did kind of leave it open whether like Vecna created the upside down with his phenomenal secret powers, or if it was just something that existed and he tapped into it and was corrupted by it or, you know. Yeah, I would assume the latter, which has broader implications for, you know, everything. Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, what's funny is that it feels like and I know this didn't happen because it had to shoot around the same time. But it feels like the Witcher Blood Origin got a lot of the ideas for you got peanut butter in my chocolate. <laughs> for for like the the other world where the chaos magic comes from, they got those ideas from like the fucking looking at the upside down uh, in when whenever Vecna goes over there. And also the big the still the big mystery is why is the upside down frozen in nineteen eighty three six? Yeah, because Nancy's journal. Yeah. Which was an answer we never got. Uh and I'm intrigued to see like what the f- like that that's a weird thing that happened, but it's yeah. not like super consequential. I forgot or about that. Not. I don't know. I should rewatch this whole series, but uh I kind of refuse to do so cuz I have like the Blu-ray collections of the first two seasons that were in like old school like video rental place boxes and they didn't do that for uh the third season and i was like well i'm never gonna rewatch it now yeah it's dumb uh i don't know why you wouldn't attempt to make more money off of yeah. that merchandising like it's, it's like your second most viewed show ever like why would you not attempt to merchandise that you own all the rights completely you share not you share the money with the distributors and that's it like why would you not it it just doesn't make any sense like it's unless they're saving it and for like a five season collection after season five drops which i could see but like yeah. why would you not try to incrementally monetize everybody as you're going forward that makes no sense uh, as per usual, Netflix does cool thing and then stops doing cool thing. What I would assume the answer is, is like they probably looked at the sales of the first two seasons that I purchased and it was like, oh, this is like, you know, core fans who, you know, just specifically like this thing. But like. If they batch it out into two parts and then, you know, do them on either side of the 4th of July where you have to get three months of subscription to do it, to watch the thing when it's new, to talk to your friends at work about it, uh, you know, and then you'll forget that you have the subscription for three more months and still be paying for it. Yep. And then you can uh, watch Dahmer you know, and Wednesday. Yeah. And Slash like, Onion. Why would you sell me one, you know, DVD Blu-ray collection for like 30, 40 bucks when you can uh, trick me into paying for an entire year because I forget because I'm bad at managing my money. I mean, yes, but also the show also. But also. No, I'm I'm just, you know, putting myself in the shoes of a layperson. 
Oh, yes. Uh, but like, it, it's one of those things where like, why wouldn't you attempt to squeeze more money from everybody? You're already doing You're already attempting to do that by raising subscription prices so high. Why would you not pull it off the app for a second and be like, let's make a, let's make money a different way? Yeah, I don't know. I like I feel like they're you know, this is a completely different topic for a completely yeah, different we're, episode. We're on a but different like, thing now. I feel like uh, I feel like there is a market for, you know, a premium experience. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's do some honorable mentions because I have a bunch because. OK, uh, I had two lists of five shows. Uh, my honorable mentions were Wednesday, Murderville, Cabinet of Curiosities and Love, Death and Robots. Uh, a bunch of anthology shows right in there. Yeah, we synced up pretty perfectly on that. Yeah, I, I still haven't gotten into Love, Death and Robots. I I just don't know, man. I don't know if it's my thing. I don't know if I'll That's ever fair. approach it. I um, I don't know what it is about it. I just never really took the interest in it. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I was going to say we're we're doing it for the show next week, but technically Alice in Borderland came out at the end of December. I was like, that probably would have been on here. I just yes. haven't watched it yet. That's also that's also true. Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities was another one that was kind of a a nice surprise. Um, I like a horror anthology. Uh, I like that it was you know a couple episodes a day for a few days leading up to Halloween. Uh, that's do more releases like that. Do do more interesting releases. Yeah. Not not like this bat shit where it's very obvious what you're doing with like with Stranger Things where it's like oh we want two holidays and a, and three months, right? Yeah, like I said, Extraordinary Attorney Wu definitely was my favorite thing that we watched this year. Full stop. I don't know. I I left it off on the technicality, but that would have been my number one. Right. Stranger Things we just talked about, but uh, I will say Murderville. Murderville. I love Murderville. It's it's one thing that I think they could make forever if they wanted to. And I would always want to watch it no matter how much they did. Kind of like Cobra Kai. Like, I don't I don't feel like there's a. An end point for how insane. You can get with the concept and I'll still come back for it and consume it like a glutton. What? Well, we're talking about marketing more, more and more as we get through this. But the, what they could have done with Murderville is not just get like big celebrities or like, you know, medium celebrities. It's they could have taken like. Imagine a season of Murderville where it's just like a different Stranger Things kid every day. Like, yeah. uh, like or like Jenna Ortega is on an episode or like market like cross like Jenna using... Ortega's on an episode as Wednesday Adams. Yeah, like take your take your pro take the properties that you have and then push them into Murderville to make people want to watch Murderville. Like yeah. that's that's something you can do to leverage Murderville into like an actual property people watch. I mean, and they already did that with Nailed It, which is like far more of I would say a niche thing. Like not everybody's into cooking shows. I think everybody by and large consumes comedies to some level yes what i'm saying is that netflix should give us both jobs they just like i i just feel like there's there's easy money and yeah. easy ideas left on the table by not cross-promoting your stars on like your reality shows like not yeah. like you're dating not like you're dating reality shows obviously like yeah 
I don't, I don't want to see fucking Jenna Ortega on too hot to handle. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't need that shit. But uh, you know what I mean? Like, if I, like unless I mean, like if Millie Bobby Brown wants to go on fucking Selling Sunset and be like, I want to buy a house on Selling Sunset. I, like do that. Like there, there's dumb ideas that you can do to get more eyeballs from fans of actor on yeah. a show to a different show they've never they never would have considered in the first place. If something is stupid and it works, it's not stupid. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, they can be doing Nailed It, and then in the background, the portal opens up, and uh, a couple characters from Bullet Train come out and do a quick punch fight and then fall through the portal back onto the Bullet Train. And then, you know, uh, I talked... I expounded on this before my grand unified netflix cinematic universe yeah. theory where characters just show up in the background uh and you know it's all connected and you have to watch all of the shows to understand the whole story yeah it'd be great okay uh so the big winner this year for the swilly for best uh series on netflix in 2022 is cobra kai with uh seven whole points yeah you did it again congratulations Congratulations, Cobra Kai. We're proud of you. Expect an award in the mail soon, I guess. Yeah. I don't feel like we've had many years where our top show wasn't the same thing, or at least like the top three are the same thing, but just kind of jumbled around. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, uh, they were basically the same. Like You had Sandman and Wednesday. But like I had Cobra Kai, never have I ever. And they were just slightly lower yeah. on your list. I like it though. I'm yeah. I'm not upset about this. I, I I'm actually happy for diversity because now we have you people. You we have you people. We have like what eight shows on here as opposed to normally what would be six. Yeah. So I this is be- this is better. All right. Uh, let's do film. Yes. Uh, the part where I really feel like I'm scraping the barrel because some of these I would say are bad movies. Oh God. What have you done? <laughs> I feel like I made poor viewing choices this year. Probably. Probably. All right. Uh, I'll take the lead on this one. Cause you started the last one. Uh, my number five is a French movie. It stars probably one of my favorite French actors, period, because I don't know that many French actors. Uh, it's The Takedown starring Omar Sy. It was Netflix's buddy cop movie that we desperately needed this year because they've been trying to get this formula right. And they finally got it right with one of their bigger stars in Omar Sy. Yeah, I love I love me and Omar Sy. It was funny. It was it, it was like the it was like the Ryan Reynolds plus like person movie that you you wanted it to be like you like you look at Ryan Reynolds movies and you're like eh like they're they're funny enough but like they also are missing the mark a bit this hit that mark like this was like I, I feel like if you gave this to Ryan Reynolds and person it would still have the same essence but it wouldn't hit as hard because it just for some reason wouldn't work I, I, the Omar Sy and man. Uh, I, I apologize, man. I don't know who you are. Uh, you're another French actor, but like their chemistry was fantastic and made this uh, an enjoyable, enjoyable movie that 
for some reason was like a 5.7 out of 10 on IMDb or something. Yeah. Cool. I like it. I, oh my god, I was fucking right. It was a 5.7 out of 10. What the fuck? It's almost like all Netflix properties are either a 4.7, a 5.2, or a 5.7. Yeah. Uh, Laurent Lafitte. Lafitte? Lafitte. Yeah, Laurent Lafitte. Uh, that's Jean Lafitte. Yeah, uh, that's the guy. Yeah, he was. He's funny. Jean Lafitte is a bad guy that Captain Crunch fights, or something. What? I why think do you that know, there's. Why do you approximately know that? <laughs> I have approximate knowledge of many things. Uh, I'm googling it now. Yeah, Jean Lafitte, the barefoot pirate, is a pirate who is Captain Crunch's arch nemesis. He appears with Cap'n Crunch on Cinnamon Toast Crunch. What? His name stems from the fact that he is barefoot. He's named after a real pirate. That is everything that I've managed to scrape from the serial mascot wiki. Which is well, okay, apparently then. a thing. What a, what a weird thing. Oh, and they also have the app with the two girls' heads stuck in air conditioning vents. So I'm going to navigate away from this site. Oh, you just got to stop going to fan sites. <laughs> yeah, it's it's apparently every fandom wiki. All right, uh, that's, that's my number five. The takedown. What is your number five? Uh, my number five is do revenge. OK. Uh, going through stuff, there were a lot of things. Like I said, I kind of uh, lean towards what I just thought was. Yeah, I had fun watching this. Um, I'm glad that I did like the last minute check and look through of everything because uh, I very nearly put the gray man on here, which is the one that I think is just kind of actively a bad movie. But I like watching Ryan Gosling fight Chris Evans. So. Uh, oh, OK, well, I have I have an embarrassing <laughs> thing. Uh oh, <laughs> I uh, may have spoke too soon. That's okay. One of mine is going to be embarrassing and you're going to tell me I'm an idiot. I think yeah, probably I hope it's 365 days this day. Oh, Christ. Uh, do revenge is fun. I like I like Maya Hawk doing things. Yeah, she's. My favorite. Netflix lesbian who I don't think is actually a lesbian. I don't believe she's a lesbian. I don't, I don't know why she's typecast that way. She uh, just is. Yeah. But. Yeah, it's cool. I really enjoyed this movie for an hour. And then they did the, the reveal, and then it was just like, uh And then it got worse. Like, then you're just kind of like slow rolling to the end, and it's like, uh, this ending doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, I don't know, it is what it is. Uh, I think a lot of my enjoyment of this movie was just like you and me memeing on it. Yeah. So. That's, yeah, that's uh, so with with that, we'll uh, continue to do podcast and I'll kick it over to you for your number four. All right. My number four is another foreign language movie. Uh, this is the year of the foreign language movie in my top five. It is All Quiet on the Western Front. This is an adaptation of the novel. Um, it's there's re there's really, really good parts about this movie. Like th there, there are parts that are very excellent. Um, yeah. like the first, the first 20 minutes are fantastic. I thought that this would hit your list. I still haven't watched it. The, the, 
first 20 minutes, it starts with like this set of woods and then like you see this fox family uh, and you're like, why is this family of foxes on my screen? This makes no sense. It must have been in the book. But then like the camera's just like pointing down at the ground and it slowly comes down on the ground and starts doing a one take of like this this battle scene where this kid who's like a fresh recruit is uh, running across the battlefield. He gets blown up and killed, uh, but his uniform is undamaged. So he gets thrown in the back of a fucking truck full of bodies. And then they strip him of they, the bodies go to this facility. They take the bodies. They strip the bodies of all their clothes. They then wash the clothes, send them to seamstresses, and then reissue those uh, fatigues to the next recruit. That I was just like, that is that is horrifying and beautiful. This was a fantastic sequence. Man. Yeah, war as hell. Yeah. So um I, I think it lulls in points. I think it I think it lingers on things that it probably shouldn't just linger on. Um I I, I it's two and a half hours and it could easily trim down by about fifteen minutes and I'd yeah. be much more positive about it. But yeah, this is still something to watch. Ironically, I bet the best parts are where it's not quiet. Oh yes, uh, the the war part, the war stuff is fucking harrowing. All right. Uh, well, my number four is the takedown, so we'll kick it back to you for your number three. Good man. All right. Uh, mine is an Adam Sandler movie. That's right. Adam Sandler's here to actually do good movies. Uh, it's it's hustle. Eh. No, bad. Uh, yeah, it's it's a basketball movie. Uh, Adam Sandler, notorious street hooper. Like, you'll randomly find him on some uh, some basketball court in a neighborhood just playing basketball with people. So he took that love and he put that into a movie. And it's a good Adam Sandler performance that isn't one of those loud ones. Like, normally when you think of, like, good performances, like, you you have, like, these big speeches where someone's yelling or crying or doing something. His big standout scene is just like an impassioned scene where he's not yelling at this kid. He's just being like, do you love this game? Because I love this game. And there, and Drive will beat talent every time. And I just need to know if you love this game, because if you don't, we'll stop right now. Like It's it's like this perfect driven scene that like really showcases Adam Sandler's actual acting talent over him just screaming at people in other movies. So, yeah, uh, Hustle's great. Just rewatched it. Uh, loved it. But, uh, go watch it. It's Adam Sandler at Pretty Goodness. Yeah, uh, it's a good movie. I liked it. It's just not really my niche, so. Sure, that's fair. It's but, a sports movie. I don't expect you to like yeah. sport movie. But I'm happy you liked it. All right, uh, my number three is probably the one where you're going to say, uh, no, bad, bad, Caleb. Uh, it's Bullet Train, uh, a stupid, loud movie that I thought was fun and stupid. Uh, so quick question. Are you aware that this is di- distributed by Sony? No. You checked your goddamn list and it shouldn't have been on there, but it's distributed by Sony. Whoops. Well, uh, this is my mulligan, I guess. I can replace it with the gray man. Hey, f- if you want to replace it with the gray man, that's fine. You, <laughs> you, you can be the one that puts it in, a, in his top ten or top five. Because spoilers, it's not in my top five. 
nah, I I'm leaving it right here. All right, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I think this is a bad movie, but I'm in the minority, so I'm okay with this. I'm not gonna yell at you. Uh, I just think it does. Not I, success. I, think, it I does. think it's a bad movie. I think it's a fun movie. Uh, I think it's a bad, unfun movie. So yeah. Well, that's because, uh, you're a diesel. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably true. I, mean, I can't remember if that was the bad train that they didn't want to be. That is the bad train that no one wanted to be. Or, in theory, no one wanted to be. Uh, the best part was when Joey King got hit by a truck. And we found out it was uh, Lemon the whole time. Or Tangerine, one of the two. Yeah. I'm proud of you. You really waned this brief. That's probably true. Also, like... I don't know. I guess Netflix just had like a big marketing push around it. And I was just like, yeah, I, I don't need to fact check this. Well, they spent like a ton of money on getting Sony like because Sony is straight up like a mercenary in the streaming game. So they wanted like what's called the pay one window, which is after a, a theatrical run uh, and during like DVD release and such is your pay one window. And Netflix bought the rights to all of Sony's pay one movies. So like Uncharted was part of this. And like, I believe, uh, I think this, I think Bullet mm. Train was the second one that was part of it. Yeah, actually, that makes sense now that you mentioned that. Um, I don't know. This is the hardest episode to do every year because uh, I feel like something always comes up where I'm just wrong. Because it's like, it, this has to be a Netflix movie because like. Yeah, they fucking advertised it seven million thousand times. Yeah, no, I get it. It's fine. Uh, we'll we'll just pretend you put the Gray Man here. It's the same. It's not the same movie. The Gray Man's better. All right. Uh, I'll, we'll move on to my number two. Then uh, this is also a movie you haven't heard me talk about before because I just watched it this week. Uh, this movie is called Athena. It's a French language film. Oh, yeah, it's like uh kind of urban warfare thing. I remember the trailer. Yeah. So hours after the tragic death of your youngest brother in an unexplained circumstances, three siblings have their lives thrown into chaos. Three brothers in an apartment complex. Uh, but no, this is this is serious. This is great. Uh, it starts off crazy. The the. Uh, one brother who is part of the military or part of the police or part of the military police uh, is speaking, saying, like, we will catch whoever murdered my brother. Uh, and the other brother who leads this riotous uprising is there with his with his squad and they throw a molly into the police station and then a fucking van drives through the front of the police station. Dope. And they they go through they systematically go through the pl the the police station in an attempt to secure weapons so they can fight the cops, and the movie just continues into chaos from there. It's a it's a series of one takes. They're all, it's fantastic. Like this was the biggest surprise of the year because like I'd seen it on a couple people's like best of, best of Netflix lists, and I know like. It's like a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you people watching when you watch this movie? But like, it's awesome. Like this movie is so great. Like it, the, the it takes its beats at the correct times in order to like 
expand upon like how characters feel at the correct times where you need something to de to de-stress like you're as stressed out as everybody else is so you need to take the moment too like it's, it's so well it's it's excellent have you watched the raid i have i i feel like uh we watched that together for a very early episode of the show where we did dvds and swill yes but um Anyway, it kind of sounds like that to an extent. It's uh to a degree, but also it's not as like hand-to-hand combaty. It's very much like tense. It's just tense all the way through because you have no idea what's going to happen next. Okay. Uh my number 2 is Troll, a movie about a troll. I like a big a monster. I also like Godzilla. But in Norway, the the troll is neat. They do a couple neat things with it where it's like, hey, it's we're we're on this mountain. Oh, no, the mountain doesn't match up with the topographical map. Oh, no, like a troll is standing up now and we have to run. Um, eh, It's cool. Cool, fun movie. With a big yeah. monster that uh, smashed things. Which is really all you need to do to get me through the door. I, I'm I'm a Pacific Rim apologist, so yeah. I mean, Pacific Rim's fun. Like it's really fun. Like I, I like big giant robots smashing things. So I I like watching big mythological creatures smashing things. All right, uh, we're on to number one, Stan. Give me what you got. I, I your list is so eclectic. I have no idea. Yeah, uh, I don't know, mine it's is all Glass over the Onion. Place. Uh, mine is Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. The, the correct title, because uh, I wrote it down and re- read the title exactly. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that I can't remember the title to this movie ever because it's bad branding. And uh, despite the fact that I feel like it should be Glass Onion, a Benoit Blanc mystery, uh, because, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's better. This this is the movie that made me realize I will watch as many Benoit Blanc movies as they want to make. Because I was yes. I was kind of skeptical about it because I was like, yeah, Knives Out. Like, I loved that movie, um, but it was like really tense and like really, I don't know, it was. Um, it's kind of an oddball experience, but like. Uh, like, I, I was like, I don't know if I want just more of this, uh, but Glass Onion does a hard left turn uh, where it's like, we're going to have Benoit Blanc here, but everything's just larger than life and stupid. Yes. I think it was kind of what we needed after the pandemic, because, like, let's not forget, early in the pandemic, we had a bunch of Hollywood celebrities <laughs> uh, sing We Are the World or something like that. And we were just like, we were just like how fucking out of touch are you? Like, you're yeah. in this massive house and we're in our little baby houses slash apartments. Also, we're, all, we're uh, not all stuck together. <laughs> also, we uh, are still very much in pandemic. Oh, yes. But uh, the point the point being is that peak pandemic was, mm-hmm. you know, 2020 to, or 2020 and uh, making fun of that and how how stupid people are yeah. and how stupid celebrities are and how self-centered they are. And just like I, I think the, the really cool thing about the, the screenplay for the movie was just like 
the people you think that are on complete ideological endings of each other are actually way closer to each other than you think. And they just pit themselves against each other to make each other more famous and to keep themselves relevant. Well, that's what like the the social commentary of it, too, I think really worked Um, because like you have the progressive politician and you have the men's rights advocate. Uh, and it's like, why would these people tolerate each other's presence? But then, like, you think of that in the real world context where, you know, you see a picture from the 90s of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump standing together at some social function. And it's like, oh, the thing that unites these people is having more money than uh, like 99 percent of anybody that they'll ever see anywhere. Right. Right. Uh, I, I, that was that was. Probably the best commentary of the movie is just like, yeah, the people can't yeah. stand each other, but they're they're just around also to suckle off this fucking billionaire who will yeah, fund them to do whatever they want. I like the I like the commentary there that, you know, becomes more of a truism every day as we see Elon Musk do things. Yes. Uh, and just talk uh, where it's like he's not evil. He's just very, very stupid. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that's really it. Like, he's just extremely incompetent. Like, let's never forget the time the the diver at the who were who was like in the uh, Thailand cave rescue team. Uh, they refused any help from Elon Musk. So he called one of them a pedophile. The Jesus Christ. Never, never forget that. That was that was the beginning of the end for Elon Musk like that. Uh, I guarantee you can map to that moment. And be like, from there, his entire public perception just tanked. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I, I liked, you know, not like you brought up Knives Out. Knives Out was very much like the succession of money and how mo- uh, and how money yeah. divides people. Well, yeah, it's like old money, you know, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And the only thing that was holding them together is the fact that uh, they're all wealthy from the same source. And when that sort and they are which trying so hard to maintain that source that uh, they can't take it whenever that source is taken away. Well, that's versus this movie. That, yeah, where that's the they, juxtaposition they between the, the two. Yeah, because they're they're kind of that's a common thread. But it's like in in Knives Out, it's like, oh, our meal ticket has died now, like we have a chance to seize everything for ourselves, and we have to turn on each other. Whereas right. this is like, we have to protect our golden goose so that we can all uh, have nice golden eggs. Until it becomes convenient for everybody to say, well, yeah, we don't really need this anymore. We'll just kind of go off and score social points by killing off this man. Yeah, because, because bot loyalty is always less than earned loyalty. All right, so that's uh, Glass Onion Knives Out Mystery. Uh, Kayla, what's your number one? Uh, my number one is Tall Girl 2. Oh, good. Uh, I'm kidding. It's Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Hooray, a unanimous movie. Yeah. I'm I'm glad it didn't wind up that Bullet Train accidentally won somehow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, congratulations to our Swillies winners, uh, Cobra Kai and Glass Onion, uh, Ryan Johnson and uh, Jonathan Horowitz. You'll be contacted very shortly. Yeah, we'll have our lawyers uh, send you a strongly worded congratulation letter. Yeah. 
So, uh, Caleb, honorable mentions for movies. Obviously, The Gray Man. Yeah, that's really uh, it. I kind of felt like I was like scraping, scraping the ground to come up with five. So, all right. Uh, my five or my not five. I, I this is not two piece on a podcast where I round out my top five and do a top ten. Uh, mm-hmm. I had Enola Holmes two, which I thought was a legitimately good sequel. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, the Gray Man, which I think is a legitimately good movie, and everyone hates on it for no fucking reason. Then we have the Adam Project, which is the Adam Project. I think it was. I thought I thought it was good. It's Ryan yeah. Reynolds not being Ryan Reynolds to a degree and actually having like emotional moments in a movie. It's passable, at least. I don't know. I feel yeah. like whenever they, I don't know. I feel like there was like a specific moment in the plot where it kind of it started to lose me a bit. But it's also been a very long time since I watched it. Yeah, March. Nine months is a long fucking time. Yeah. I, I just want everyone no, to know that. I mean, full disclosure, like the recency bias is real. If I watch something yeah. in like February, it's probably not showing up on my list. I, I mean, that's why you see all the Oscar bait movies come out now is because yeah. of this exact reason, which is why I think it's hilarious that everyone thinks everywhere all at once is going to get a win because it, it won't because it released in May. So it's not it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. That's not how this works. Uh, and my final one was the house uh, that that stop motion animated movie. Uh, yeah, the house was interesting. House, yeah, very interesting movie. I, I wouldn't call it good, but it was definitely like the most in well, probably the most interesting project on Netflix this year. Yeah, good job. All right, that's it. Uh, thank you for listening to the Swillies. Uh, congratulations well, again, to the winners. Do you, do you want to settle on what the worst thing we watched this year was? Oh. I, I submit if it's not the same thing. I submit to I'm you two mad. suggestions. Uh, one of them is R.I.P.D. 2, which is can't be f- stupid bad, but it's definitely yeah. not as bad as actively bad as the next 365 days. Possibly that, that the worst it. thing that I've ever seen. That's that's it. It's the next 365 days. That movie is awful. Yeah, that movie that movie has no idea what it wants to do. And so it just throws <laughs> sex scenes at you when it's just like, well, we have no idea what to do right now. I just remember that, like, we were so excited about it because we were like, oh, bad, funny sex movie is back. Uh, I can't wait to make fun of bad, funny sex movie. But then, like, we watched it. And by the time we got to our review, we were both just so defeated yeah, and like my entire review could be summarized by just me saying it's not funny anymore. <laughs> well, like, don't forget that there was another bad sex movie in between it. We still had 365 days this day, which also came out this year for some fucking reason. Yeah. Yeah, which I almost put as the worst one until I remembered the chronology of when yes. these movies came out. But, like, in theory, if you're Netflix, like, why wouldn't you put out the next 365 days, not six months after the first one? Just put no. it out, like, na- like put it out, like, in February this year, where, like, there's nothing, like, because if you look at it, uh, in terms of viewing numbers, 365 days this day actually did okay in, in, in viewing numbers. I don't think, and this is a stupid phrase to say, I don't think Netflix gave viewers enough time to miss 365 days enough for them to immediately put out the next 365 days 
Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, I'm looking at it now. Um, 365 days this day in its premiere weekend scored 78 million hours viewed. For all the reported time that we have of the next 365 days, it has 75 million hours viewed. So <clears> it it was complete. Like I get that it's a bad movie, and maybe the joke was over after the second movie for everybody. But like the fact that you know uh, the 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 third movie to a I don't want to say seemingly popular, but like it's popular enough to where like horny mothers are watching it. Like the fact that it's done now and it kind of goes out with a wet fart. Like that's that's yeah. pathetic. Started that's with a wet management. dream and ended with a wet fart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's the worst movie I've seen all year is the next 365 yeah. days. And it's not even it's not even close. All right. Um. Yeah, we can finish wrapping up the show now. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you like the podcast, check us out on netflixandswill.com. If you want to stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill, you'll find our social media links, uh, me writing some stuff, uh, which includes data reports. And then I'll talk about anytime a show gets canceled, talk about the data behind that show. And yeah, uh, also check out Two Peas on a Podcast. Uh, don't forget to check out the Golden P Awards, which uh, again, uh, Refer to the uh, promo that I said. It, I think it's what two peas on a podcast dot com slash the golden peas to go vote and find out what are what's nominated because uh, you need to find out what's nominated. It's very important that you do this. Yeah. Uh, next week on the show, we will be reviewing both Alice in Borderland season two and The Pale Blue Eye, which is a new movie that I want to see. Uh, and so I'm making Caleb suffer to potentially watch it. I don't know if it'll be no, any good. I, uh, I wanted to watch it, too. So good. We got two things we want to watch, uh, which will only be contrasted by all the Patreon picks that we have, which will be uh, just th- 365 days spinoffs. We didn't know that happened. Oh, oh, no. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. Which is how I, how I felt when Bullet Train was on your list. It's fine. I don't really care. It's not like this really matters. It doesn't. Uh, I don't know. I just I just feel mad that I had that and left Extraordinary Attorney Woo off. So it happens. But oh, well, uh, we we each got a questionable pick. So uh, until next week, this is Caleb saying wait to see what questionable results come of next week's show. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.